distance learning, homeschooling, online education, oh my. All of the Facebook mom groups I belong to are exploding right now with questions and discussion threads with hundreds of comments from other parents panicking about their options for this fall, what to do, what their options even are, and how to decide what's best for their children and their schooling this fall. Today, I'm interviewing a dear friend of mine, Lara Belknap, who is the most qualified person I know to speak on this subject, who will be able to break all of this down for us parents. Lara Collier Belknap has her bachelor's and master's in education, is a pioneer in homeschooling and online education in the state of Utah, where she helped establish online education in 2002, working as the director of Utah Online Academies for three different school districts. She is currently the director of Utah Online Schools, which serves over 10,000 students with 102 teachers and staff. She has served on several different nonprofit boards and received the Soccer Mom of the Nation Award, the Innovation and Education Award, and most recently, the John M. Huntsman Award for Innovation. She schooled her children at home for more than 14 years, which changed her life and her relationship with her children. Lara is active in legislative, community, and religious causes. She's a proud mother of six children and 10 beautiful grandchildren and is married to her high school sweetheart, Eric Belknap. On a personal note, she's been a lifelong mentor to me and to each of my siblings and has had an enormous impact on each of our lives. She was elected to the Utah State Board of Education in 2014, where she serves as the finance chair. Today, I have one of my dearest friends. I call her my person, and her name is Laura Belknap, and I'm just so honored and so thrilled and so thankful she would join me today. Say hi, Laura. Hello, everyone. And Laura is absolutely, my mom described her as the OG of online learning and homeschool, and she's just absolutely incredible, as you already heard in her introduction. So Laura, tell us a little bit about you and who you are and what you're all about. Okay, I don't know how much was in the introduction, but I do want to to tell you that I have had a variety of educational opportunities. I've taught traditional public schools. I have made some changes in some traditional public schools that have changed the direction of kids' lives. For example, we multi-aged kids students in our school, rather than to keep them all in the same grade, we multi-age them by their ability groups. Um, I've also had the opportunity to homeschool my own children by themselves. I've had the opportunity to do what I call uh, private schools without a building. And that is to have have these uh, children in my home and my children in other people's homes and being taught Um, being private schooled without a building. I've also had the opportunity to be the director of an online school for the last 15 years, which has brought another new piece of insight or another piece to my puzzle in education. Over the last um, almost seven years, I've served on the Utah State School Board, which has also brought another piece of insight. How does it work from a state level versus a district level versus in, in your own homes? Amazing. And I am so thankful that she's here today because so many parents are trying to figure out what to do with their kids this fall in this crazy world that we're living in. But first, I want to ask you where your passion came from for homeschooling and online learning and education and all these things. Okay. Well, an interesting comment would be that in the state of Utah, your report card when you were little kids, they ask you what you wanted to be when you grow up. Uh Uh-huh. And from the time from kindergarten through sixth grade, when they wrote that down, it was always to be a teacher. And so I've been 
very happy to always be an educator, but it's been bigger than that on the side of being a parent. I knew that I wanted to do something with my children because I felt like all I was doing was yelling at them every day, (laughs) do this, pick up that, make your bed, go to soccer, practice your piano. And I felt like I never had any time with them. And my husband, Eric, heard something on the radio about someone homeschooling. Mm -hmm. And when he told me a little bit about that discussion, it resonated with me. And I knew immediately I wanted to homeschool my own children. And as I was doing this, some parents in my neighborhood came to me and said, oh, will you please homeschool our kids with your kids? And that's how the private schooling without a building came to be. And I ended up schooling with other children and my own children for 14 years at home. Incredible. And I, all of my siblings and I were blessed to be part of that private school experience under your direction. And it really was such a blessing to each of us in those different periods of life. So I think my brother Stephen was in the longest group of yours, but it, it was a blessing for each of us. So we're in a crisis right now. There's so many parents trying to figure out their options. They're trying to figure out what to do. We just got word today that Governor Newsom in the state of California has mandated most schools in California will need to start online. Anyone who's on basically like the watch list for high cases. And I feel like anywhere you live, all parents are looking at this coming school year differently than, you know, school years in the past. Have you seen the meme yet where it's like the same face of the woman three different times where she's going, ah, because it's it's like going to school trying to homeschool or online schooling, it all feels like, oh my gosh. So with all of those options, what are most states doing? Well, the the plans are very different by, by state. And again, you'll say Governor Newsom has already put that mandate out today, finally. Right. Some governors, so for example, here in the state of Utah, the mandate has been that kids can go back to school, but they need to wear masks is the mandate here. Mm-hmm. Um, and how that's done is, is a decision by each district, how they're going to keep social distance and how they're going to do masks. But I think as parents, we in the term you used was crisis education. Yeah, um, I think that's exactly where we were last spring is right. in crisis education. And our teachers were in crisis as well, trying to figure out how were they going to educate their students that they cared about, loved, and were concerned about and do it online when that was not the way they were trained, nor were they prepared for that. So we all lived in that crisis moments. But I think that there's a lot of different opportunities coming around the door. So if we talk about that as being a positive moving forward, it's not happening once your children have started school for the most part. So you have the opportunity to homeschool. Mm -hmm. You have the opportunity to maybe do a blended in some schools where they can go to school part-time or be online part-time. You also have the opportunity to do fully online. You also have the opportunity to go in person with the boundaries that maybe were set. So maybe we could talk a little bit about those, if that's okay, Corinne. Yes, that'd be super helpful because I think for me, I'm like, what's the difference between homeschool, online school? It all feels very overwhelming. And this is something I thought I would never have to think about as a parent. I was always like, my kids are going to go to school where someone else, I felt the same way about, you know, school, like traditional school as the as I have always with piano lessons, even though you and I know that I have a lot of 
credential to be a piano teacher, I'm like, I'm not teaching my own kids because they're going to look at me and think, I don't have to listen to you. So this <laughs> is right. And I think that's the case with, uh, with, with either a lot of parents and or children. And so we can, we got to remember that we're talking K-12. So we're talking different levels, especially your high school students listening to parents mm-hmm. versus a kindergarten or first grader listening to parents would be very different. Right. So some of the things we talk about you're going to have to measure them and and put them in the measuring cup how they fit for you by age. Okay. So those will be some things to to keep track of. But if we talk about homeschooling like a traditional homeschooler, you would be schooling at home, you would find your own curriculum, you would be absolutely in charge of everything your child learned from from sun up to sundown. Okay. That would be homeschooling. There are a lot of parents who love to homeschool and who are great homeschooling parents. Mm-hmm. That is what they have decided to do and that is what they do and they are really educate their children. We know that even in traditional school and homeschooling, there's some things that just don't work out well for some, Right. but that would be homeschooling. Then you had what we had in the spring, again, our crisis learning, what I would call some distance learning, mm-hmm. um, where our teachers were trained to maybe for our younger kids, hold a a day when they'd read to them their favorite book and everyone would get on at the same time and read at the same time. The math teacher would in a high school or a middle school would say, you need to be on at eight o'clock every morning for one hour for class so we can do math together. But it made it very difficult for families who were trying to figure out who gets on the computer when we yeah. only have one computer and there's all of us. And now even mom and dad are both home working. Yes. Um, So, or mom and dad are both out of the home and have to go to work. And so how do we do it at home? So that, that crisis learning, really, we, we have to look at that as hopefully we're going to do a little better this fall. Okay. Then you're going to have some blended learning. And I think this is where a lot of school districts are going to land when there's opportunity to go back to partially in person, because you're going to also need to social distance inside of a school. And that means that in a classroom where there's been 20 to 30 students in that classroom, you cannot social distance enough to have that whole class there at once. Yeah. So they will keep Some will be home while some attend, some will do online while some attend, and it will be more of a blended type of an education. Okay. Okay. And then another one that I would want to talk about is online education and Mm -hmm. fully online would, would come, um, and really under my hat at this point in my life, but uh, fully online education is usually comes from a school that does online education. It's not coming from your traditional boundary school. It's coming from a fully online school and they have highly qualified teachers who help you and work with you and support you in your work. And it's much more mastery based for children rather than being like the teachers in a traditional school have, I I go in online learning is the constant and time is the variable. Okay. But in traditional schools, time is the constant and learning is the variable. Mm, Okay. In school for a certain amount of time during the day, And so the learning is during that time frame. So 
Explain to me if I were my mom raising kids in Bountiful, Utah, and she had a, a kid at Bountiful High School and a kid at Mueller Park Junior High and one at Valley View. These are all the schools I went to. And so the online learning would be coming from Bountiful High School. Would it be coming from Davis School District? Would it be coming from somewhere else? Well, for example, in Davis School District, they do have an online program. Mm -hmm. They don't have it. It's not fully vetted at this time. And when I say, I should say fully vested at this time, they don't have every course available for every subject yet. Oh, okay. So they, they have parts and pieces. So that's where the blended model is going to come in more so than fully online. And they are working to get the courses ready. But I, I still call that a little bit of crisis learning because they're trying to get courses ready, whereas in a fully online school or in that's already out there, they vetted these courses. They are ready to go. They're, the teachers have prepared them. So a fully online school is not coming from, this is like a separate thing. It's not coming from your, like, instead of showing up for your classes at Bountiful High it's the distance learning. This is a completely separate thing. Just to yes, be really clear. It, the online, an online school is different than what would come from the school. But your, the, your schools, wherever you are in the country, could still be offering online education only for your students. And so they don't have to come into the school. You, they, you might not want to come in for several different reasons. Mm -hmm. There might be a variety of reasons and we don't need to go into all of those, but they are trying to provide something. And there's a couple of reasons for that, which is maybe not exactly what your audience wants today, but the biggest reason is funding. Yeah. So if a teacher who is teaching a traditional model and for your schools have now closed down, mm -hmm. they have got to provide education from their seat, from where they are to be paid for their job. Okay. So they have got to pull something together and, and some of it will be really good. Mm -hmm. Some of it will be really bad. <laughs> and even from the same teacher. Right. Right. Because they can get it together in one area and not the other. Well, and I saw that with, I won't say which daughter, but I saw one daughter whose teacher was super on top of it, super involved. And another one of my daughters in, you know, the crisis learning, as you called it back in the spring, was very disconnected and I could tell she just had a ton going on in her personal life. And so I think that, you know, it is kind of like, we don't even know which teachers our kids are going to get or what's going to happen or whatever from that, um, if it's coming from the district standpoint. But going back to the online learning, so say someone really likes that idea, it's really appealing to them. What's the difference between the online learning and the homeschool option? Okay. So with homeschool, and honestly, I homeschooled my kids for 14 years, so I actually can come from that setting as well. Right. Um, so if we talk about it, you're really on your own. You are on your own to be the educator. You don't really have someone to call up and say, I can't get my eighth grader to do this math, and I really can't teach it to him. I, you have no one to call except yourself. Hello, I need help. <laughs> <laughs> but with online, you have a, a highly qualified teacher who you can reach out to and say, where can I get support? When, when can you meet with my child to help them with this? And they are there to support you. And especially in the secondary model, they're going to have a teacher for every subject. Okay. Where in elementary, you'll have one teacher for your homeroom, just okay. as your students do today. But 
either way that you choose as a parent at this time, inadequacies or whatever might be the reason that you're a little nervous, it sounds like to me you're going to be in the driver's seat again, Mm -hmm. whether you decide to pick homeschool or whether you decide to pick online or you do the distance learning with your school. You're still going to be sitting there with your child. There's not going to be a teacher there. So a couple of things you need to be prepared for is that is that your life has to change to fit a child at this time, which is not easy. Um, If you're used to having a lunch date every Tuesday with some of your guy friends or girlfriends, that's not happening (laughs) because you have children at home who need you to be educating them. Yeah. But some of the beautiful things that can change is what you can teach your children instead. Mm -hmm. You can teach them how to cook. You can teach them how to make their bed, fold laundry, sort um, utensils, wash back doors, vacuum the floors, where right now you might not have time to do that because you're getting them off to school. And then after school, you're taking them to piano or soccer or whatever. Yeah. And so those beautiful things. The other thing is, is one of the things I think about all the time. I had my six kids and of course I waited till the baby went to sleep. That, that was just a must for her to be asleep. And they would all gather around me and sit all over me as we read a book every afternoon together. We couldn't have done that had we not been homeschooling. So there are some real beautiful things that come with sacrifice at this this time. And something that I just want to state, the pandemic is in charge. Yeah. Your health departments make the decisions. And I realize there's some political ramifications that are me. I shouldn't say ramifications, but decisions being made because of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. But the pandemic is driving the changes in education. And I foresee that some of them will be great, that we'll eventually get to where our kids can start doing mastery-based education. And I'll give you an example. Corinne, if you were in high school today, Mm -hmm. which weren't so long ago. <laughs> it was um, a minute ago. I wish it was just like five or 10 years, but it's been a while. You probably had to take a course um, of a music appreciation course in high school. How ridiculous is that for a concert pianist to have to take that course? And in this day and age, you shouldn't. You should be able to master out of that, get the credit, and be able to take other courses. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're kind of headed in some of the competency-based and having time be the variable here. Very interesting. Yeah, I think that's been an appeal for a lot of parents who have already moved in that direction. They've got kids who are excelling in different areas and they need that flexibility of schedule to be able to allow them to continue to excel because a traditional eight to three school system isn't conducive to really honing those talents. So for the parent that's listening to this and they feel like, wow, that flexibility of schedule and the homeschool or the online learning. Really, I think I want to lean more into the online learning because I would say that nine out of 10 parents who are listening to this are very tech savvy. They're going to want that extra help. They're going to want the online backup and the teacher to correspond with. If they're interested in that, though, what's the cost like typically? And, you know, is that super cost prohibitive for parents, especially parents who have lots of kids? (laughs) Yes, but in most states, and I can't honestly think of a state um, 
and I'm thinking of 18 states right now that I can't think of one where it's not free for a student to go because it is part of their public education. Oh, and okay. So there are online schools now. Some of them are, are they're still traditional. I, I mean, they're public schools, but some might be charter schools. Mm-hmm. Some might be um, presented through corporations, but they're still part of the public education system. So those also need to be vetted carefully by parents. And a couple of things to look at, I would look at their ACT scores. Mm. I would look at their graduation rates. I would look at course completion rates. So course completion, meaning a student who starts a course, how many of those students really finish a course in an online setting? So you you need to watch those. And I would look at maybe teacher-pupil ratio. Okay. What's a good ratio? If it's higher than a traditional public school, then you're in trouble because it takes students longer to pull up information. And if they ever have to print out anything or if they have to upload their docs or if they have to do a project, it takes more time Mm -hmm. than it does to do it in a traditional classroom. Okay. So, and then also look to see if they have more than just the teacher supporting the student. See if they have another adult who supports that student, if they have a paraprofessional or a mentor or somebody. Now they can do without that, but that's always a nice piece to have. Okay. And then, so you're saying most schools, you're going to be able to get that covered. And is that like a, they're going to have just one thing, like let's say Davis district again for just for an easy example. And I'm supposed to be going to Bountiful High, but my mom wants me to do online learning instead. Is the district going to say, okay, here's your one option or will you have many options mostly? Well, I'm just telling you that most of your districts are going to say, well, this is the option. Okay. But you by law can choose what educational platform you want, not just in the state of Utah, but around the country, you can say, I don't want to attend this boundary school or this boundary district. I want to go to this school, which they, they are also part of their public education system. Now, what that means is that the money to run that online school will flow to the online school and not to the boundary school for that year. Okay. It's not forever or, and until you come back. Okay. So is there some type of moral obligation some of us should think about with keeping the school districts alive if we were to, tons of parents are pulling their kids out? I think you're going to see that this year. Okay. And I think that, that they're, they're preparing for that. When you think of it as being moral, what is best for your child is probably the most important thing you should look at. Okay. Um, financially, Online schools don't take all of the funding as well. Um, certain pieces still go to the school district, whether they're educating your child or not. There's uh, taxes, local replacement money. There's um, transportation money. And all of that will stay with the local district and not go to the online school. So there are pieces that your school district will still get. Okay. So if you wanted to do the pod kind of a thing and you know what we did what i did and my siblings did under your direction back in the day um can you do that with this online schooling or is that only for homeschooling and kind of how do you set that up and what does that look like no you actually can do it with the online schooling okay and and it might depend on the age groups that you're doing if you decide to Remember a private school without a building or pod up or group up or however you want to say it and say, Mm -hmm. I'm going to teach all the third graders at my house 
but maybe I'm only going to teach the third graders math. Okay. And they're going to go somewhere else for language arts and somewhere else for science. Um, And you can can do that. But I also, you know, if you're worried about doing in-person and maybe it's not you as, as parents, as much as it is the state itself worried about kids getting together Mm -hmm. and spreading the coronavirus. So you, you need to keep track of that at this time too. What is it that you, what safety precautions do you want to put in place for your own kids? Okay. And then I, again, whatever you're doing, and there's two things that need to be taught. I say without fail, and that's math and reading. Okay. And, and I, that for me, that goes through grades K through eight. Those things have to be taught because math is linear and reading. If you can read, you can do any of the other things. You can find science experiments online. You can find music online. You can find all those kinds of things um, outside of an online program. But the online program would have those and should have those for you. Now, high school, it's a whole nother ball of wax, okay? Yeah. Because high school students have to get credit. So your high school students, if they're taking online, they just need to make sure that number one, if they're into sports or into music and they want NCAA, make sure it's NCAA approved. Okay. And also if you're looking for certain scholarships, make sure that they have those scholarships and that they offer the courses that are going to get you into the universities you want to go to. Okay. That's really helpful information. Um, What about with, with these credits counting do you have to have an accredited teacher um somehow like checking in on you or what you're learning or how does how does that work with this online schooling okay well i can only speak for like my school and and the other online schools in the state of utah they all are accredited and the teachers are highly qualified in the state but if they are receiving funding from your state Mm -hmm. wherever that is they should be highly qualified teachers and then they should have those accreditations uh, already. Okay. Because to teach in, in the States, they require you to have certain things as a teacher to receive state funding. Got it. Okay. Um, what do you do if you're a parent like me who feels totally inadequate thinking about how am I going to suddenly become your teacher or become your coach? <laughs> Uh, maybe you ought to run around the room and hope for a minute. <laughs> it is very different. And and that's when you really need to lean on someone. Now, there are some parents who are going to end up being at home who are have had educational background and they are going to feel very comfortable whether they homeschool or whether they online school, whether they blend school. But lucky those, them. What? I said lucky them. <laughs> I know. But those who don't, then you, you need to pull in all the resources you can find, not just finding an online school, but there are resources like in your neighborhoods, maybe in your churches, people who can give you help and support Mm -hmm. with some of the things that you are lacking in. But just as a reminder, again, math and reading. Okay. And I always like to call that the potatoes and whatever else you put on that is the gravy. And if your family likes to sing, then make sure you do a lot of music like together and do different pieces of that if you're not very good at art that would be me and (laughs) and me okay then we win on that then you would want to make sure that you find somebody who can help you with art unless you're using it online they would have an art teacher okay they would have one available 
to you to use. Okay. And what if, thank goodness, this isn't the case for us, but what if Neil and I both cannot remember how to do algebra or pre-calc or something awful like that, and you've got a parent or two in the house who both are like, I don't remember this in math, then what do you do? Well, there are some resources online, but uh, I'm just telling you, if you're doing online, you're already going to have a teacher. But if you choose to homeschool yourself, you are going to have to find those resources to help support that. And you may have to look for some of those supports and you need to look for online supports um, as long as your school district is, you know, that you're not in school. Yeah. Okay. I don't know if I told you this, but one of my very favorite things about online learning or homeschooling or being at home is the opportunities to provide service for your kids to provide service. And you have to find really cool and unique ways to do that. I think we talked about this before, Corinne, that you can, one thing you can do is to just let your kids express where they express. Mm -hmm. So if they're artists or they like to draw, I don't care if they're in kindergarten or first grade or if they're high schoolers, let them draw and go drop it off on a neighbor's porch. How great is that? They don't care if they're from kindergarten or if they're musical. They could knock on someone's door and they could sing or play their musical instrument. Even even we had um, one of our neighbors took their kids over to the care center and mm-hmm. the kids just like to do tumbling. So they did somersaults and they did cartwheels and things. And all of the residents on that side of the building, by the time they were done tumbling, were out there applauding for them, you know, wow. inside their windows. Sorry. And, and how cute is that, that we can teach our kids to serve even in this time of pandemic? That's so sweet and very, very important because it's so hard. I feel like so many of us are losing that sense of community and being in touch with others. So I love that idea of serving and teaching your kids to serve and getting outside of themselves. And I think everybody's kids right now are kind of feeling like they're about to kill each other. So oh, yeah. <laughs> a great that's a great way to to be able to get them to think about someone other than themselves. But as far as the social aspects go, what are your, what's your advice there? Because I feel like that's, that's what I'm dreading this afternoon is sitting my kids down and telling them they're not going back to school because I know there are going to be a lot of tears. I just want to cry harder, mom or the kids. I don't know. (laughs) It's very difficult. So I, I think that there's a couple of things that you have to do in these types of settings and in, the, in these issues is that, that you not sitting them down, but providing them opportunities to, to either share with children. And if you're not in a setting where you can be with children, um, again, you can socialize with them in interesting ways. So for example, um, I, some of the kids in, in a neighborhood put notes inside of a balloon and took it and let their friends pop them while they stood there and watched and said, I love you or I miss you and, and trying to make weird connections. And there's also, I was trying to think of the other thing that some uh, other kids did to connect with other kids at a distance. Oh, they did sidewalk chalk and they went around all their friends and wrote notes on their sidewalk Mm -hmm. and then left a piece of chalk for them to go and write back to them on their sidewalk. I love that. Yeah, so, um, but that's non-physical kinds of things because when you can do physical things, field trips are awesome or even going to the park or just, there's so many opportunities like that, but every parent's going to be a little different how much they're going to socialize with other kids at this time. Right, and it depends on where you live and what the cases are looking like and all those things. And so, okay. 
What should a typical day look like as far as, you know, what's a good schedule or what's a good rhythm to get into to make sure that you can maintain positivity in your home? I like your idea of a typical idea, but uh, with children, there's none. Okay. Um, but not really. You actually can have a schedule, but you need to pick your own schedule. Okay. So for example, if you have teenagers in the house, don't get them up at 7 a.m. or they're going to be grumpy all day. <laughs> so if they, they will. So, and, and you may have a youngster who really likes to sleep in and they don't want to start until 10. So mm-hmm. try and get a balance with your time frame and their time frames. So timing it, you establish a schedule, you post that schedule. I think that's important that they know and younger kids, you can put stickers on them when they're finished or high schoolers. I don't know what you do because they can't see anybody. They can't drive and you can't take their keys. So what are you going to do? Anyway, set a schedule, Okay. be flexible with your schedule. But I will tell you a couple of things that if you set your schedule, try not to, to variate from it if you can help it. Okay. Um, there may be something that comes up at work or something with some neighbors or, you know, emergencies, but really try and stick with it. Another thing that's kind of exciting is that your kids go to school from eight to three now or nine to four. Mm-hmm. You don't have to school that long. I repeat, you don't have to school that long. Okay. There is a school that can give you one on three, one on four, one on five, and you are teaching them. You have four, three, two, one kids in the home. You mm-hmm. can complete tasks a lot faster, you know, your academia. Okay. You, that a lot. A okay. Lot. Because the one teacher isn't trying to teach 30 kids one thing and walking around making sure they all get it. You're there's one of you and just hopefully a couple of them or a few of them that you're walking around helping, you know, make sure that well, and they may and you may know your child, oh, I think she's he or she are probably gonna understand this fairly fairly quickly. Mm-hmm. Watch what they're doing. Maybe they already understand the concept. You don't need to browbeat them and try and give them something they don't know that day. You can say, wow, that was great. You already know this. Let's, okay, Mm -hmm. let's be done with math for the day. Okay. It's okay to move on and say, you already know this. Okay. And kind of build their confidence. Yes. Okay. And and remember with high schoolers, um, we're just happy if they'll do one assignment a day in each subject. Okay. That's, I, I really, and I don't mean to that rudely. It's just they are used to that pattern. They've been patterned up to here. Okay, really good advice. Um, I've been worried about, I just keep feeling this pit in my stomach when I think about kids from maybe lower income families or families where not even necessarily lower income, but families where both parents have to leave and there's not anyone there to supervise the kids just out of necessity. That's, that is the setup that they have. And so there's going to be kids left at home with a Chromebook or a tablet. And it's kind of like, good luck. I, I feel sick for their, you know, these are the kids whose parents would typically count on the school district to basically be childcare so they can work. And now are they going to get behind or how, how should parents in that situation move forward? What's your advice for them because it's got to be a really, really tough situation to be in if that's you. Your question is, are they going to get behind? Yes, they struggle a lot more 
than those who have a parent at home who can help teach. However, we have found some interesting ways to help support these students. And one of the ways is making sure that they have, if they're going to be online, that they have a mentor who checks in with them every day, okay. not just occasionally. So that's been helpful. Okay. Uh, Another thing that we have been able to do is to provide the ELL language for them to help them with their language barriers and do some things with different languages, which has been helpful. We've also tried to work with the employers, which is not our job, okay, but help them to work with their employers to try and work different shifts for their parents. So one could be at home. Now that parent may be asleep, but at least there's a parent in the home. Mm -hmm. Um, They have used older siblings who are in college to be the learning coach in the home, which is helpful. And or grandparents. Okay. A lot use grandparents. They're still not the solution for those who have two parents who have to go to work and are going to be gone all day. There is not the solution for that. And those babies are home alone. And we have babies who are maybe neglected or abused and they are home all day long. And we don't have the answer because once again, the pandemic is in charge. Yeah. That's, it's annoying. So what's the best, best case scenario for a parent who's like, those, those are my options. I mean, if Neil and I had to work outside of the home right now, we would be in that situation because we don't have any family here. So when can they teach their kids or what advice do you have for them? Well, I would first of all, see if there's anything that the school district has to offer them. Okay. What is it that you can offer me that in this, where I can't send my kids to school, what is there? I do know that some people in the, some different states are working with childcare facilities Mm. to provide for those kids a place to go. Okay. Now, when I say kids, I'm, I'm talking up to 12 year olds. Yeah. That doesn't cover our 13 to 18 year olds. Yeah. We're going to be home alone all day. So there, there's a few things Um, online. If at least they have a teacher who touches base with them daily. Mm -hmm. Um, Same thing with, if they were with the district, someone would touch base with them. Okay. Okay. And then what about like, as far as when they're doing, if you're walking out the door thinking, I hope you actually do your work. Um, is there a time that you feel like is better for kids to be connecting with their parents if they're in that situation? If they're in just in that situation, I think that's probably all of the situations. Double checking to make sure your kids are doing their work. And I would check to make sure that whatever program, whether you're homeschooling, blended, distance or online, that you have a way that you can see what your child has done that day. Mm. And one of the things that's interesting about online is that not only can kids go online, but you can see how long they were active. Okay. So just because a student logs in in the morning mm-hmm. doesn't mean a thing to me personally as a, as a director mm-hmm. that they have done anything. So parents can get feedback. What did they accomplish today? Okay. Oh, and by the way, this triggered a memory too for me of the crisis learning when we would log into the distance learning and there were all these different logins. And one of the things that appeals to me with some type of online learning thing is I would think there's just one login, right? Is that how that works? One one login per child and one platform. 
one yeah, platform. Yeah, so you're not oh. going to 10 different platforms. You know, it's interesting because we don't use just one curriculum or created curriculum or purchase curriculum, okay. but it's one login and it go, you go here and if it clicks you out, it takes you there, but you only log in one time. That's nice. It shoots yeah. you out rather than you trying to shoot in. Okay. Yeah, that's very appealing. Um, that's very, that was one of the biggest um, complaints we had from families. It's just all the logins and all the things, trying to learn all those platforms. Yeah, that would be really helpful for us as a family. So I would imagine everybody else is searching for options like that. So no matter what you choose or what your state chooses for you or what the pandemic chooses for all of us, what's your advice on making the best of these situations? (laughs) Oh, my word. Making lemons and lemonade out of lemons, I guess, yeah. um, because this is kind of a sour time for mm-hmm. us in, in our country and, and in the world. And if we can find some joy each day, you know, our children bring us joy every day. And yet sometimes it, they bring us heartache as well. So if we can find something and go, oh, my word, that brings me joy to, to look for that. I think that and and just know it's going to be hard. Yeah. So if I could say something to you, maybe if you want to scream, make sure you scream in a pillow so you don't scare somebody. (laughs) And occasionally you might have to lock yourself in the bathroom. And even though little fingers will come under the door and ask what you're doing, just do it anyway. Take time to breathe as a, as a parent who's, who's dealing with this because it gets heavy. It, It becomes very heavy on your heart and your head. Okay. I have a question that I that I forgot to ask earlier, but I think it's important. If you choose online learning, are you kind of stuck or are you in that choice for the rest of the year? Or if the pandemic were to subside and your your kids' friends are going back to school, would you be able to switch like halfway through the year? What does that look like? I think that's going to be going to depend on the state you're in. Okay. State of Utah, you can move back and forth. Okay. between the two. Um, I don't know about California, Corinne, so I'm sorry, but I think you need to check with your with your state. But I can't imagine that at least at semester, you couldn't come back. Um, okay. One of the issues is, just for clarity, is I brought this up several times that it's about funding and funding usually happens in the fall. Mm-hmm. For example, the state of Utah, the schools are funded October 1. And okay. so if a student moves back to a school on a November one, that school receives no funding for that student for that year. Gotcha. Okay. So then they're trying to cover a bunch of kids that weren't accounted for. Yes. That's hard. It's it's hard. It's hard for our districts. It's hard for our, our charters to do that. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I feel like you've given us a lot of really helpful knowledge and information and a lot of really great encouraging advice too. I have one last question for you. And that is if there's one message that you want the parent listening to this to remember from this episode, what do you want that one message to be? This is very easy for me to answer. That you can do it, okay? And especially if we're talking about one year, we can do it, okay? And so I I would say that. Okay. Laura, you are such a gift to me and everyone who knows you. Thank you so much for making the time for this and for it helped me a ton. I know it's going to help every parent who listens to this too. Corinne, thank you for having me on. I appreciate it so much. 
You are so wonderful. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to Mint Arrow Messages. Make sure you follow us on Instagram at Mint Arrow. Subscribe to our Apple Podcasts and rate and review us if you like us. And to get show notes, go to mintarrow.com slash podcast. And you can even sign up to get show notes emailed right to your inbox. And we'll email you every time there's a new episode.